Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Two weeks away and this guy comes back madder than a hatter and goofier than he ever was. Now I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you once again pre-recorded. But uh, a little bit more about that. Yeah, it's uh, Sunday evening, and I'm sitting here with this show getting ready for the week ahead of me. Uh, Listen, on uh, tonight's show, uh, Pipe Parts, I'm going to take the time to... uh, tell you a little bit about my trip and then tell you about my uh, my new job which I'm starting on Monday morning my guest tonight is John Fordham and we pre-recorded this obviously and let me tell you there's a lot of good stuff a lot of fun stories a lot to learn so much so that I've asked him to come back in a future episode so uh, we have John coming up, pipe maker, uh, pipe smoker, fireman, nurse, uh, you name it. He was in the Navy. Lots to get through with John. Um, music and uh, do a quick, no, I won't be able to get to the mailbag in this show, but we'll get it next week, uh, and a rant. All that coming up in tonight's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. All right, so first of all, yes, I am back from... Uh, Nine days at Walt Disney World. Um, I hope some of you saw on Facebook where I posted from some of my uh, some of my favorite uh, and not so favorite pipe smoking spots where I got a chance to sit back and just enjoy the atmosphere with a pipe. Uh, did those on Facebook? They're still there if you want to go look for them. Uh, anyway, it was nice. Um, pipe related. I was the only pipe smoker that I saw the entire time. And uh, only got a few comments from uh, the cigarette smokers about my pipe. Mostly, uh, yeah, all of them were positive. A couple of them wondered why my uh, pipe smoke didn't smell quite so sweet. <laughs> um, anyway, it was just a Virginia Perique that I was smoking. So, uh, yeah, they were kind of expecting it to smell like um, maybe a cherry or vanilla blend. But had a good time. Uh, great time of the year to go the weather was perfect the crowds were tolerable most of the time and uh we had uh we had a good time i can highly recommend getting to uh, if you're in the central florida area getting to the kennedy space center and visiting the uh, visiting them uh great time there we had lunch with an astronaut the food was great the price was right it was 29.95 each had lunch with an astronaut and uh his name was uh, Jerry Carr, and he was on one of the first uh, space labs in 1974. So that was fun. Highly recommend that. All right, uh, job-wise. So here's what's happening. I am starting with Speccom. Speccom is a company that does uh, primarily trade magazines, including Tobacconist and a couple others. Uh on the consumer side, they do a magazine called Cigars and Leisure and a little one that we're familiar with called Pipes and Tobacco's Magazine. I will be uh, selling ads and uh, hopefully promoting subscriptions to consumers. So that's my that's my new thing. 
Uh, big benefit is that it'll have me off the road more than I was uh, primarily working from my home office, using the phone and email and video conferencing to uh, spread the word. Uh, continuing with uh, with a couple of uh, a couple of events each year, you will definitely see me at the uh, Chicago Pipe Show. I can almost guarantee that I'll be in Raleigh for the uh, Triangle Area Pipes uh, for Taps for their pipe show. Um, but more on that as I uh, as I learn what I'll be doing and uh, come up with some new and uh, and fun things. But anyway, that's what I'm doing. Uh, and again, I'm starting on uh, Monday morning, so I am. Uh, as you're listening to this, I'm spending my second night in Raleigh, learning all about this and. Probably uh, get a chance to hang out with uh, Chuck Stanion for an evening or two, sitting and uh, smoking our pipe somewhere. So that's fun. I'm looking forward to that. So that's what's going on with me. A little break in the format. We're gonna get right to the uh, interview with J- uh, the interview with John. So everybody, sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. What are you looking for in a pipe? Is it the quality of aged briar? Is it a certain shape or finish? Maybe it's the sound engineering that ensures an effortless, smooth draw with each and every puff. That's exactly the kind of pipe Savinelli has delivered for generations now. With such a variety of shapes, finishes, and sizes, it's easy to find something that fits your sensibility and style. Just this year, we've expanded our lineup to include the Bianca, the Lancelotto, the 2015 collection, and the final installment in the Leonardo da Vinci line, the Vitruvio. For a bolder style, try our more colorful 2015 editions as well. The exotic cashmere, the sultry licoricea, and the striking archipelago red. So whatever you're looking for in a pipe, know there's a Savinelli waiting for you. Contact your local or online retailer to find your Savinelli today. Welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show, and uh, you know, John, I believe you're going to be the first, uh, the first firefighter, paramedic, and you've had a storied amount of careers that have all brought you here, and all the while, uh, I guess we'll learn about pipe making and all that stuff. So please welcome John Fordham to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Hello. All right, so so let let's get to know you. You're not you're not a youngster anymore, but. Uh, where did you grow up, and when did you get started smoking a pipe? Well, I grew up in Miami, uh, Florida, and uh, I started smoking a pipe at the age of 14. Um, <laughs> I really didn't know any better. Uh, everybody else was trying cigarettes, things like that, but uh, I was one of those guys that was uh, absolutely intrigued with the the smell of pipe smoke, and I'd gone to a couple of uh, pipe stores, and I just, yeah, there was there was no, no two ways about it. You know, that was uh, that was the uh, that was the place to be was uh, smoking a pipe. You know, it, and uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, my first experience, of course, uh, uh, was wasn't the best one. Uh, I had. Uh, Gotten uh, gotten a uh, yellow bowl pipe. I think I had just turned fourteen, and uh, some uh, Middleton's uh, cherry blend. 
Uh-huh. And, um, of course, uh, needless to say, I didn't know a thing about smoking a pipe. So I acted just as hard as I could and fired that puppy up and uh, ended up frying my tongue so bad, uh, you know, I, I thought I was going to die. Uh, it's my first real pain experience. So, <laughs> uh, I wandered into a pipe store uh, several days later and, of course, was made fun of. And uh, uh, the guy there, Jack, that uh, owned the place, uh, he had pity on me. Uh, the older guy sitting around smoking their pipes, uh, you know, uh, basically, you know, just, uh, you know, stored it and, you know, made a few comments under their breath, you know, and... Uh, but uh, I didn't realize it at the time, but I found a mentor, and uh, he was a great guy, and uh, he occasionally, you know, made pipes himself, you know, and uh, up until that time, I just thought pipes pretty much happened. Um, <laughs> you know, it just, they were there, or, you know, you either had one or you didn't. My grandfather smoked a pipe, my other grandfather smoked what? Um, my dad had a, a nice Dunhill uh Tan shell, I, I, I never forgot. Uh, I ended up uh, uh, acquiring it, you know, some years later. Uh, but uh, you know, they, they were all pretty straightforward pipe smokers. You know, they uh, had a couple pipes, and my uncles, they all, you know, up in the Carolinas, they all smoked pipes, and you know, uh, most of them burly smokers, and uh, they had burly tobacco farms, and uh, <laughs> so. Uh, you know, I just figured, well, this is just normal. And uh, Jack, you know, felt bad for me, and uh, he uh, he get, gave me a pipe for seven dollars. That was uh, supposedly. Uh, he said, "This is a good pipe." He said, uh, "You know, usually you, out of a hundred, you'll get fifty or sixty of them that are pretty good." So, <clears throat> you know, it was something that had probably come from Saint Claude over in France, and uh, so okay. Uh, you know, I was that. He gave me this black Cavendish type tobacco, so I'll, you'll do better with this. So um, he was right on all counts, but uh, uh, I ended up working for the guy part-time as a, as a kid, you know, in high school. And uh, you know, I loved every minute of it. You know, he told me all about tobaccos and about pipes and uh, where they came from and who was who and you know, who wasn't and uh you know, and uh, pretty much, you know, uh, being a businessman that he was, you know, he told me uh, they're always going to want something for nothing. So, uh, you know, price your work, you know, be fair about it. And uh, uh, that's what I do. And uh, he says, uh, um, you know, if you, if you ever own a store, you know, not thinking I would ever make pipes as such, but, uh, you know, uh, you know, do so. Because you know, I, I worked very hard for the guy because I really loved him. Really thought he was a fine guy, you know. So uh, that's how it kind of all started. And uh, after that, you know, um, you know, Vietnam was going on hot and heavy. And uh, uh, the only thing I could do, so I wasn't part of the, the herd that got drafted, uh, was I uh, I was a trombone player and uh, fairly good at it. And... Uh, so I auditioned for the uh, for the United States Navy, and uh, they flew me up, and I auditioned, and I, you know, got a very high score. So they said, "Well, you, you know, you got your choice. You know, uh, 
You can go into the Navy band, uh, the Annapolis band, or you can go into the show, you know, show band, or you can travel around in the, the fleet, uh, you know, and, uh, but, you know, no matter how you do it, you've got to go to the school of music and, uh, uh, you know, I didn't know they had a Navy school of music, but they did. And, uh, um, so, you know, I ended up there, um, you know, my friends would, uh, found out that I could make a pipe and uh, somehow they would acquire these box of briar, ebonite, <laughs> all kinds of stuff, and they'd bring it to me. And I was pretty gullible then because I, I just turned 17. I, I got there, uh, you know, as a pretty young guy. And, uh, I, you know, I was friends with the bosun's mates and they had access to the machine shops and stuff like that. So. I had carte blanche with the legs and the milling machines, and I was in paradise, you know. So I turned out, you know, pretty standard pipes, you know, pots, apples, things like that, as best I could, and they loved them. So, uh, you know, it sort of gave me a in-demand type of thing. Of course, you know, I didn't get any money for it. I just, you know, it was a hobby, you know, and that's how I, I looked at it. So... Uh, I did that throughout the Navy, and, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it just, uh, you know, some years later, I, I thought, God, I was a dumb guy, you know, <laughs> very naive. You know, all these pipes that I'd made for people. I, even a boot camp, my company commander, uh, never will forget him, J.A. Atwell, uh, he smoked a pot-shaped um, uh, Dunhill, and um, uh, he, uh, he he was the living embodiment of Popeye the Sailor Man. <laughs> <laughs> he was a character. Always had that pipe in his mouth now. But uh, he found out I could make pipes too, and so uh, uh, you never guess where I ended up, you know. Uh, so you know, it's that. Uh, you know, I made him a piper too, and uh, uh, the the. Him going a little easier on me uh, was the thing. And uh, one day, some people walked in and said, uh, uh, "Oh, this other guy's company commander had written a poem about the, him." And and uh, uh, Jay Atwell was standing there puffing on this pipe, and he he looked at me and he said, "JJ," he said, "What do you think of that poem?" I said, "Yeah, it's okay. Nothing rhymed." He says, "You think you could do better?" I said, yeah. He said, go in my office. There's a pencil and paper in there. You got five minutes to write a better poem, and it better be good. So I disappeared, of course. And when I came back, uh, he read it, and he just grinned. First time I'd ever seen him grin. But I had immortalized the man. It's uh, it was called the days of RTC that made a man of me, you know. And, uh, I uh, I embodied everything that he was to me, and uh, you know, and uh, yeah, from his pipe to you know his spotless whites, you know, to his uh, ability of command, and uh, I was told, you know, later on that they put it on plexiglass, and they had it standing up there at the Great Lakes uh, Naval uh, Training Facility for for a good many years. And, uh, um, you know, which, which made me happy, you know, but, uh, I was even happier though when I, I got to the Navy school of music, uh, I was there for a few months and then, uh, 
I was told I would be graduating uh, several months ahead of my class and uh, ended up basically graduating second in my class about four or five months ahead of my class. And uh, they stuck me in the show band and uh, off I went. And uh, that was the beginning of a whole new world for pipes and seeing stuff. Uh, first place I, I ended up on was the USS Forrestal, uh, where, you know, I got my first set of Weber pipes and uh, my first Mershaw, you know, and uh, the prices, you know, were like, you know, $10. I think for that set of Webers, I paid uh, a horrible high price of $17. The Mershaw, yeah, the Mershaw pipe was expensive. It was $11, $11, I think. I still have it to this day. And it's a beautiful, beautiful golden brown. Uh, it's a you know, phenomenal pipe. Uh, not to go back, but the the thing that really hooked me on pipe smoking, I I smoked both filter pipes and non-filter pipes. But uh, it, you know, I I got to see where a lot of people got the idea that you know filter pipes were cheap stuff, you know. And, yeah. You know, not not that good, you know, and because uh, uh, in this country, you know, it's sort of like, uh, you know, well, if you smoke a filter pipe, you're not quite a man, you know, that sort of thing, and that macho, you know, and you know, I thought, well, eh, you know, I I didn't know if they were right or wrong. I knew that all the filter pipes I had when I was in high school were pretty cheap, you know, because that's all I could get, um, um, and you know the. I would occasionally get a little tongue bite or, you know, a little rough around the edges, even though I was pretty broke in by 15. Um, until a girlfriend who had been saving up her money all year long bought me this pipe that um, I believe it said uh, uh, NOS on it. And uh, later I found out that it was one of the first of uh, the Nording pipes. And it uh, had come out of Germany. Uh, and it was a nine millimeter filter pipe, and I smoked that thing, and I said, "Oh my God, look at what I've been missing!" You know, <laughs> I mean, it would tone down anything that bit; it would tame it. Anything that was really too heavy, like some of the Dunhill uh, um, um, smokes at that time, tobaccos were, some of them were a little too much for, you know, someone my age. It smoothed them out to where they were just pure heaven. And I could actually discern the different tobaccos then. Uh, well, I was hooked then. I, I knew that, you know, nine millimeter was, uh, you know, pipe was the way to go. And uh, from that point on, you know, uh, I tried to acquire nine millimeter pipes. Of course, it was damn near impossible you know, in those days, unless you had some way to get something out of Germany, some of the you know, Danish guys were making nine millimeters and the um, everything, and the, so it, it was difficult. But you know, it's like uh, you know, my my time in the Navy was uh, well spent. You know, I I got to play for kings, presidents. Um, um, the last ruling monarch, uh, you know, Haile Selassie, uh, I, you know, um, it, it was uh, enjoyable. You know, I was at places, uh, 
I never thought I would see. You know, I got to smoke pipes from Ethiopia, Italy, France, Germany, all through Spain, Portugal, you know, all over the Mediterranean, Istanbul. Uh, wow. Yeah. You know, I, I, I was all over the place. I, I, I never will forget. Uh, we landed at um, Cagney Station in Ethiopia, and uh, we were to play at the... Uh, um, on television for uh, the Howie Selassie Studios One. Everything was named Howie Selassie. <laughs> if you played in the stadium, it was Stadium One, Howie Selassie Stadium One. Uh, but, you know, people were very interested in the, the pipes that I had, and uh, it was always a good line of conversation with the people around us. And, you know, sometimes it would be, we'd be on TV, or they draw a circle around us and uh, in the middle of a public square and 8,000 people would show up, you know. But then, wow. you know, we had our time to ourselves. And, uh, we, we, you know, we would always have good conversations, even though sometimes language was a barrier, you know, about pipes, you know. And, uh, you know, because uh, everybody had some kind of pipe they wanted to show me. And so... Uh, you know, I, we talk about it, and then they want to show me, you know, the guy that made it. <laughs> what? You know, someone's actually making these things. You know, <laughs> I'd go to the guy's shop and I'd sit there and I'd do my best. Uh, uh, a lot of times they spoke uh, English better than I did, and uh, we would sit and we would talk for hours about, you know, what they thought about pipes, how they should be made. There were pros and cons about filters. Uh, you know, everybody had their opinion, you know, and uh, it was that way in Italy and France. Uh, uh, in France, I, I didn't realize there were that many pipe makers, uh, but it seemed like, yeah, there were factories everywhere. And, <laughs> yeah, just, just putting out tons of pipes every week. Uh, some places uh, had hundreds of people, you know, employed, and I, I was just fascinated that uh, these machines that just, you know, rat, 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 and boom, out popped a, a, a phrase stumble, and, you know, just, you know, that somebody would do this, somebody would do that, a girl would pull a lever, boom, out with asphalt or whatever, <laughs> stem, and um, a lot of times it's just uh, cheap ebonite, stuff like that, and the uh, and then they would go to a coloring department where they would hide the flaws. And I thought, oh, that's pretty dishonest, you know. <laughs> and uh, you know, they, you know, if they, it was some of them were rejects, and so they got another name put on them and sold for less. And you know, I, I got the sample and I was given pipes and uh, the, the ones though uh, that I liked, or of course the the ones I really couldn't afford. You know, and that were they, those were the handmade pipes, and uh, they were different as night and day. Somebody, when I was in my 20s, said, well, John, what's the difference between a handmade pipe and a, and a, and a well-made factory pipe? I said, well, one thing, price. Two is craftsmanship. I said, uh, you might get, you know, 20, 30 pipes out of 100 that, you know, you really like, you know, because, uh, you know, they, uh, Briar has a mind of its own. That's, I still hold that opinion to this day. 
you know, the briar picks its tobacco. And, um, you know, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. But with a handmade pipe, your chances are a lot better. You know, because the guy, the guy cared, you know. It's like, uh, I, don't, I don't know, it's, uh, I, I look at, uh, you know, going back, you know, uh, you know, over the years and stuff, and I, I started to realize that, uh, you know, pipe makers, they're just a different group of people. They usually have a great amount of experiential knowledge, and they're craftsmen. They love briar. They're mysteries of the briar. Most of all, the ones I've met, uh, they have a passion to give the pipe smoker an experience that just transcends this world to some quiet place where all is well, you're at peace. Yeah, and one of my slogans is nature makes the briar, man makes the pipe, and God is in the details. Um, it was just a wonderful thing. It's uh, I picked everybody's mind that I could, and uh, I did the best that I could. And uh, when I got back, you know, uh, you know, I had a short stint, and then I, uh, you know, became a firefighter and all that. And I, a lot of the guys smoked pipes, and uh, you know, and uh, we, you know, I got to see a, a, a big change, you know, that had happened. Uh, back then, you'd go to these little meetups, and. Uh, you know, like like they have cigar parties now and stuff like that. They the tobacco stores or pipe shops, they they'd have the same thing. But you know, if uh, you go like to one of these cigar bashes they have, you might have one guy, you know, and a hundred sitting there smoking a pipe quietly while everybody else is looking for the newest, latest, greatest, made by virgin hands from Honduras or. San Salvador, this is the latest tobacco, or this comes from a special volcano. <laughs> it's always newer, better, and it's coming, you know. Um, you know, while some of the standard brands, I'm not bashing cigars, because I certainly smoke enough of them, but uh, uh, it, there's always that come on with the cigars, and uh, I looked at it as, well, you clip it, you toast it, you light it, and then you either know how to smoke it or you don't. And I always smoked a cigar like a pipe. So as a result, I got good results and met some pretty good, knowledgeable cigar smokers. But back then, you know, it's like I said, you go to these things in the, uh, back in the 60s and the early 70s when it was, uh, you know, uh, things hadn't changed that much. You, you'd have maybe one or two cigar smokers in a group of pipe smokers but you know then things did change you know and uh I, you know i can understand why it it, it takes some know-how to smoke a pipe yeah. i learned the hard way and so <laughs> i got in with some of the older guys that they taught me the things that i needed to know how to pack my pipe you know what to look for when i bought a pipe um things not to do, you know, things to do. Uh, I went from uh, using a hammer effect for packing the ball to I barely spin the, the tamper on the top as I smoke. I, li I light it two times. One is uh, the char, char light, and then I smoke it all the way to the bottom. And I mean to the bottom. 
and uh, uh, never have to read a light. You know, unless I get lazy, but, uh, you know, and, uh, uh, just uh, all the things that changed because of all the people and things that I've met through the years, you know, I, I realized that pipe smoking is not an easy thing, but, you know, like falling off a log, you know. it's uh, It takes some time, and I think that's the good thing about it. Yes, it takes time. Uh, pipe pipe smokers, it's been stated and it's been proven. They they live longer than other people as a rule. And I think uh, the reason is is it's a, sort of like a meditation that they do daily, you know. And they concentrate on what they're doing and uh, the quality of the smoke, the taste of the tobacco, uh, everything from the packing to the lighting. You know, it's not just a ritual. It's a, it's a, it's a wonderful respite against, you know, all the things that are going on and the hubbub of life. Uh, cigars, you know, pretty much anyone can do it. You know, cut them, light and, them, uh, and uh, and away you go. Uh, that's a perfect spot for us to take a break. When we come back, I'm going to ask you more about your packing technique and how we can find the perfect pipe. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. At Cornell & Deal, we think the best things in life are better with age, and we are passionate about creating the best possible pipe tobacco available. Fueled by this passion, we introduced the Cellar Series, a collection of blends like no other. While the blends in this series are ready to smoke now, each one has been meticulously designed to optimize depth and complexity as the tobacco ages in the tin. Currently, the Cellar Series is comprised of Oak Alley, Chenay's Cake, Joie de Vivre, Old Grove, and Bourbon Blue, but we will be unveiling new additions to this very special series as time goes on. Pick up a tin to smoke now and save a few for later enjoyment so that you can experience all the richness and subtlety each blend will reveal through the years. Cornell and Deal's Cellar Series. The secret ingredient is time. Contact your local or online retailer for information. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with uh, John Fordham. And uh, All right, so John, you said that yeah, is is there a way that you can look at a pipe and identify, or is there something that we as pipe buyers should look for that identifies the pipe as what you think would be a better smoker? Uh, yeah, I, uh, you know, the pipe forum, you know, the pipe makers forum, they've, they've covered it so well, uh, guys like Kurt Hunt, Tyler Beard, and uh, the dozens of uh, guys I've watched come up through it. Uh, anybody can read to those pages, and anybody is welcome to. Um, it's the pipesmokersforum.com uh, and see all that goes into making a good pipe. And these are the things that you look for. Like, you know, the, when you blow on the stem, does it whistle? The Germans uh, lovingly call pipes whistles. And I used to, you know, uh, it wasn't very long to find out why. You know, a good stem doesn't whistle. You know, uh, it, it, uh, it's it got a good airflow. You know, the pipes I make, uh, they're fairly large. You know, the, 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 uh, 
Yeah, at least three and a half millimeters up in the, in the stomach to the shank, and then you know down to about three millimeters. Or in other texts, it'd be eleven sixty fourths. You know that sort of thing, down to the sixteen. But uh, you can look at the stem and see has the guy, you know, the pipe maker has he sort of like a V notch on my clear stems. You can hold a light to the back of them. And there's a definite Z from the from the the button, you know, where it's all been hollowed out in there to give more flow. Okay, the idea is to keep a good constant flow from the from the pipe bowl to the to to the button to the to the smoker's mouth. Yeah. But you know that and fit and finish, you know, that comes under craftsmanship, um, you know. And, that sort of thing. Look for, you know, pipe. The better pipe makers don't sell you pipe loaded with fills. You know, they, those are all possibilities for burnouts, that sort of thing. But the average guy looking for a pipe, because, uh, you know, these days you can find a, a handmade pipe or something pretty close to it where they've, they've gone over that pipe to, you could take a, a, a manufacturer and you can, Clean out the stem, polish everything on the inside, um, work on the the bowl some, and you know make sure everything's right. Make sure that the opening from the bowl to the shank is no more than one millimeter above the bottom. Otherwise, you're not going to uh, smoke that pipe all the way to the bottom. Make sure there's a very good flow, you know, through the pipe, and. Uh, you know, pull it apart. Take a look at it. You know, shine a light through it. You know, it's the old thing was, you know, take a fluffy pipe cleaner uh, and pass it, you know, from the butt end into the bowl. You know, well, you know, there's a lot of pipes that will do that or, that are terrible smokers. You know, they'll pass a, a pipe filter, but, you know, they're, they just, they're too tight. And you want them to be more open and flowing without, you know, ending up with, uh, you know, tobacco juice and uh, bits of tobacco in your mouth, you know, that sort of thing. But you, you can look at that. If, if you see that much time spent on the stem, generally the, everything in the, on the pipe, the stumble end of it, you know, the bowl and all, are just done to a T. You know, uh, I think of uh, yeah, Walt Canoy. He doesn't miss anything. Uh, I can name off guys I've watched, you know, uh, come up and become really great, you know, pipe makers. Uh, you know, Todd Johnson, you know, Kurt Hunt, you know, uh, uh, Todd Bernard, like I said. Uh, Scotty Pearsall, uh, one of the few women pipe makers around, right? And Alden, Nate King, you know, Wayne Teppen, he's a nurse also. Uh, Micah, uh, Yeti Kreider, uh, uh, Micah, uh, Redmond, and uh, um, a guy I've been impressed with lately, Eric Claude up there in Georgia. Uh, so, you know, uh, it's a tight-knit family. You know, you got guys like Primal Cheddar, he was a... Uh, a pipe store, but uh, he also makes pipes. But he sells everybody else's pipes that are good quality. And, 
Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of good guys out there with a lot of information. But all this information can be found on uh, the Pipe Makers Forum. And I believe now they have a, uh, they're on Facebook also. Yeah. And um, you can get a real good amount and sense of what pipe makers are all about and uh, how pipes are made under the guidance of a guy we call Latakia Lover. He's a statement. It's George Debo said he's a brilliant guy who uh, is a stickler for everything. He supposedly <laughs> repairs pipes. But uh, a finer pipe, uh, uh, nobody can make a finer pipe than George Debo's. I mean, if you want everything absolutely, every crease perfect, you know, every line. These are things that pipe makers uh, pretty much want to see. But, uh, you know, it's uh, uh, to, to the average guy, it's not that important unless you're a collector of such, you know. But... George is a real stickler on everything from tools to, you know, he's a, uh, a pipe repairman that there's no one better. You know, uh, uh, there are some that are very close to him, like, uh, uh, getting old, uh, Tim West, he comes to mind. He, he's an excellent human being and, uh, really a fine repairman, but he also makes great pipes. But uh, George doesn't seem to want to make pipes as such. He he repairs very high grade pipes, you know, uh, and they sometimes they come out better than they were originally. Yeah. Uh, but he's sort of there watching over everybody, you know. It's like a mother hen. Really <laughs> uh, brilliant guy, though. In uh, your but, in your opinion, is there a uh, if I pick up a pipe and it just feels heavier or lighter for the size, is the density of the briar going to help uh, help the smokeability of it? Well, I'll tell you, I, I personally, I like thick wall pipes. Uh, however, uh, they, they tend to go, the pipe makers for them and all, they tend to go for, if it's not functional, as, you, know, uh, you know, as such, and, you know, or the lines, especially if you're making standard pipes, you cut it away. Uh, I like the freehands, like uh, uh, you used to see with uh, uh, the Nording pipes. Uh, uh, you know, Prebin Home comes to mind. You know, some of the most beautiful freehands. Uh, uh, the only uh, trombone teacher I ever had was a very famous guy by the name of Bill Harris. And the first time I met him, he was standing there in Carl Gibbles with a pair of Bermuda shorts, a loud Hawaiian shirt, and a Previn home hanging out of his mouth. And I thought, <laughs> my God, look at that pipe. You know, that's the first thing I thought. thing was a work of art. But it was heavy. Now, I've got pipes myself that are as light as a feather, uh, made by Rainier Barbie. Uh, beautiful rain grains, things that are phenomenal. But... Uh, and they smoke great, you know, but I've got pipes that, you know, you would say they're a crowbar as far as you, you're not going to stick them in your chops and walk around like, look at me, I'm a pipe smoker. You know, it's <laughs> something you sit in a chair, you hold it, and you enjoy it. And every minute, this briar is giving you this delight. It's it's a personal thing is what I feel. Uh, I have pipes I sit with that are, 
if I threw them at you, they would be considered lethal weapons. But I've got pipes also that I can I, I can stick between my teeth and walk around all day long and never know really that they're there. They're so light. Uh, I, I know what you're getting at, but um, um, a lot of people tend to think that uh, you know if it's too dense, it it means it's, it's young briar. You know, it's uh, some guys even get down to whether the briar is male or female. Um, you know, I pretty much go with, you know, I like old briar. I, when I get blocks of briar, they sit for years before I cut them. And then after I cut certain parts on the bowls uh, or on the stubble, I just let them sit for a, a good amount of time just to sort of like air out and, you know, because they're, they're living things. You know, the moisture in them is constantly moving. If, if you bought a pipe like from Arizona and brought it over here to Florida, yeah, the stem might not fit. You know, yeah. <laughs> you might have to wait a few days. You know, these things are constantly changing. Uh, uh, you know, that, that's a good reason why you put the, uh, the stem back in the pipe after you've cleaned it, if you take it apart to clean it, uh, because, you know, that, that opening can change. Yeah. Um, they're living things. So I'd say that's not really the best criteria unless you're looking for, you know, a light pipe. I mean, I've seen many a German walk around with a full bent that had to weigh five pounds. <laughs> <laughs> At least that's what it looked like with a silver cap and everything else on it that would fight you to the death over that pipe uh, because it was such a great smoker. Uh, but... Uh, I, I'd say it, that that's something that's really personal. I mean, I, you can look at some of the pipes that I make, and I cater mainly uh, to pipes that smoke great. You know, I I try to keep the price in line with guys that work for a living. Uh, I never have pipes that don't sell because at the end of the year, anything that didn't sell, they go overseas. You know, to uh, to the troops. And I've not had one returned yet. It's uh, Some of them are heavy. Some of them are light. Uh, I've got many letters, you know, thanking me for taking the time to to bring them such pleasure. And uh, I ran a review thing for a long while um, on, on my uh, website that I have, which I'll probably be taking down here in the next few months. But uh, the thing is, is that... Uh, the uh, reviews that I got in that period of time pretty much state, you know, what people are looking for. Because some of the pipes are very heavy. Some of them are extremely light. And it's it depends on the block of briar. When, when I cut into a piece of briar, I sort of instinctually know what I can and can't do with it. And it, it's like when you're going after a flaw. Um, sometimes you can go a little bit smaller, take out the flaw, not make things too small, you know. Because if you get walls that are too thin, you, you get a very hot smoking, you know, hot hot pipe, you know, that's hot to the touch and everything else. You need a certain amount of mass to carry off some of the heat. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in the pipe smokers forum, they, uh, 
You know, they, they give some rules of thumb. You know, and rules of thumb are good, um, especially for people learning to make pipes and people, you know, that are just starting with a pipe. But I'd say, you know, find something that has some substance to it that you can, if you're a clincher, you know, that you can hold between your teeth, you know, and uh, if that's what you want. But uh, I, you know, I've noticed, you know, especially lately that a lot of guys tend to go with some of the thicker walled pipes. And, uh, but now collectors, that's a different story. They're, they're always looking for very thin walled, very well made, you know, to perfection pipes. And are willing to pay a great deal of money. And that's the reason for the, a lot of the big shows and all, which a lot of the pipe makers that are full time go to is in hopes of that this guy's going to say, hey, I'm going to follow you, you know? And, <laughs> Yeah, because it's money. It gets, comes down to money. You know, it's like what's what's trending now, and uh, I'm not too much of a trend uh, follower. Uh, I tend to want to build pipes that are solid, that aren't going to break, that aren't going to be too hot in your hand, not too heavy to put. You know, between you know, if you're a clincher, but. Uh, but, you know, I've, I've had people actually tell me they want a pipe with some substance to it, you know, or a, or a freehand type of pipe, which I thought that went out like in the, uh, around the 70s, but <laughs> apparently it hasn't. Um, you know, it, it depends on you as a person. I hope that answers your question, you know, but, you know, Brian's a, a, a living thing, and, uh, you know, the, the pipe maker, you know, is going to, uh, follow that briar, um, you know, if he's a pipe maker, uh, he's going to follow what that pipe is dictating to him, you know, grain-wise yep. and everything else. You know, it's like saying, what's better, a straight grain or a cross grain? So there's people that will swear on both sides of the tracks, you know, oh, this smokes better. Uh, uh, I'm from the school of thought that uh, if it's cross grain or straight grain, and you happen to really love that pipe, you're a very lucky guy. And the pipe maker also followed luck, laboring under correct knowledge when he made it. And that's why it's a great pipe. So, you know, I, I hate to be so worried about it, but uh, it's, a, it's a, a fairly deep subject, really. That's why I tell people they need to educate themselves, uh, you know, about pipes. You know, if they're going to smoke them, because, you know, they cost money these days. You know, nobody's giving them away. Um, you know, Todd Johnson, uh, he had a lot to say about, you know, before uh, this last company that he founded, uh, about pipes and what they should be, you know. And, uh, yeah, he said, you know, uh, concurrence with George Debos and, you know, all the rest of them, you know, good airflow, some wall thickness to it, uh, you know, proper placement of all the holes, uh, the proper shape, you know, you know, uh, good quality stem, you know, sufficient airflow, um, that sort of thing. There's guys out there that, uh, like Ronnie Bicax and, uh, this, this guy takes a brand new pipe and makes it better. You know, how's he do it? He, he hollows out that stem. He makes sure everything's right. He balances that pipe out. And, he, you know, he's worth his money because he, he he sends you back a very, you know, nice pipe. You know, the smoke's good. 
Uh, I tried to do that. I've had I've done it hundreds of times with people. They just, well, I've got this pipe. I really like it, but it could be better. Do you think you could do something with it? And I say, well, let me look at it. You know, because sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. But I've seen pipes that you couldn't get a pipe cleaner through it. You know, much less try to pass it into the bowl. Um, I've seen pipes that will swallow half your arm if you let it, you know, <laughs> because but they, they go the wrong way. You know, they're not pipe makers. Uh, sometimes they're artists that mean well, and they make gorgeous pipes, but they don't smoke well. And, it, you know, the worst thing to have is, is a pipe that doesn't smoke well. And collectors aren't really that concerned with the, I mean, they, they, they have their ways of knowing, you know, they shine a light from the, from the button and they look where the light uh, falls inside the bowl. You know, they can tell, they look at the grain, they look at the, the transition from the, the shank to the bowl, uh, the, the shape of the bowl, the, um, you know, the, the overall symmetry to the, to the whole pipe. You know, and they have their ways of knowing before they lay out five, six thousands of dollars. I mean, sometimes I'm, uh, I get shocked at some of the prices these guys get for these pipes. <laughs> but they're, they're more works of art or investments that people make hoping to make money later, or they just love pipes. I mean, if someone told me they're going to take one of my pipes put it on a mantle, and just look at it every day. I probably wouldn't sell it to them. You know, because my pipes are meant to have the living hell smoked out of them. And, you know, if you burn the thing out, you know, I'd give you a new one. No questions to ask. Or I'll give you your money back. You know, it's, uh, uh, that's, that's how I look at it. You know, it's like, do you coat the bowl or you don't coat the bowl? Well, Todd Johnson, you know, finally proved it, you know, with uh, water glass and charcoal and, you know, it's better to coat the bowl because, you know, a lot of guys don't know what they're doing when they're light pipes. And you lose money because they burn a hole through the thing when they light it. You know, they just, you know, puff away, you know, and, uh, you know, they got steel chops and uh, um doesn't affect them, but it burns a hole through the pipe or starts, starts to burn out, you know, for six months down the road. Um, you put a little water glass and some charcoal in it, and you do a good job of that. It withstands the temperatures a lot better. It breaks in faster, you know. And uh, that's another hard thing. I think that's another reason why a lot of people aren't smoking pipes today is because you got a situation where um, I tell people the first five bowls, just put up with it, okay? You know, and after that, you'll see like a quantum leap, and it becomes so much better. And then after about six more bowls, it makes another small quantum leap. And then about three months into it, if you smoke on that pipe two times a week at least, you know, assuming they have other pipes, you're going to suddenly see one big, hellacious quantum leap. And it's either on or it's not. And, and luckily, um, in my case, I've never had anybody return a pipe to me. Uh, it's usually on. And uh, that's why if somebody asks me, what pipe do you prefer? Well, I prefer my own that I make because I know what I'm getting and how it was made. Unfortunately, I get my rejects. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
<laughs> they're usually pretty good pipes. I've got one that had a fill that I could literally shine a light through it. Um, I repaired it, though, and I've been smoking that thing for years now, and I hotbox it and everything else, and uh, it just gets better <laughs> every day. So I just give up on it. So, but uh, you know, the, you know, the stem, you know, was a little off, or the, or I've got one pipe. So one of the first ones I made the the, the draft hole was uh, off about you know a millimeter to the right, and uh, the the bowl because the briar was green when I had made it uh, initially. Uh, and like I said, it was one of the first pipes that I made. It sort of like tilted a little bit and gave it this funky look. Uh, but that's one of my favorite pipes. The thing smokes just perfectly. Uh, <laughs> you never know. That's the whole point. And that's the thing that makes people fall in love with their pipes. You know, these little idiosyncrasies to them. thing is we want consistency. And that's what you get when you make an attempt to uh, to be perfect, because you're never going to be perfect. But you get to a point to where your muscles, your eyes, uh, everything ties in with your heart and your soul. And before you know it, you're making good pipes. Uh, but you've got to have the mechanics down. You've got to know what you're going after. Um and once you do that, you know, because uh, you look at a billiard that Todd Bernard, who we lovingly call Sasquatch, you look at a billiard this guy makes and like, ah, yeah, you just, you just, you dumbfounded, you know, and uh, if the guy asked a thousand bucks for it, you know, if I didn't have uh, all the pies I have, I'd be glad to pay him a thousand dollars for it, you know, I mean, it's that well thought out. There's that much blood, sweat, and tears put into that pipe. Uh, people just don't know the lengths these pipe makers go to to make others happy. And it's it's not just pride. It's uh, it just ends them. I mean, plus they're addicted to it. Because once you make briar dust and you get in here and, you, and you're addicted. And you just keep making pipes. You know, I, I've tried to get away from it myself many times uh i realized that pipe makers aren't usually wealthy people uh as i realized uh, a lot of things but that's how i ended up becoming a registered nurse because i, I knew well if i do this i can go anywhere in the world and within a day or two be working and it worked out that way for 30 some odd years it's uh i never not had a job i mean i always had work usually more than I wanted. You know, they'll work you 80 hours a week. I went one time for, uh, when I was in graduate school at Emory, uh, I went uh, over a year without seeing the sun. <laughs> it was just, you know, I worked so many shifts. And, uh, but, you know, I said, this is ridiculous. You know, I'm making six figures a year, but, you know, I, you know, don't have the energy, the life, uh, you know, it's it's not worth it. So, uh, you know, it's... A, but I, I learned this a long time ago. That's why I learned to trade in the stock markets because I knew I wouldn't get rich being a pipe maker. I wouldn't get rich being a nurse, but at least it would give me a, a base from which... Uh, and it's sort of that way with the firefighter uh, to be able to do what I wanted to do. I mean, because it was, it was great as a firefighter. Uh, 
I probably would have retired as a firefighter, except, uh, you know, I ended up with a broken neck. And uh, by the grace of God, you know, recovered. Uh, but it took a few years. But uh, that was one of the best jobs I ever had. One day off, two days off, working with great guys, you know, the whole brand on heart, man. Yeah. A mixture of intellectual, physical, you know, you name it, you know. Great guys, you know. I'm All a, them heroes their own way, you know. Uh, to see John's Pipes, the website is Guild Pipes. FL G I L D P I P S F L dot com. Uh, John, we ran way over. Can I have you back on again? Because I still got a couple more questions for you. Sure, sure. Anytime. Anytime. You're probably on my side. I only see a couple of pipes. I, yeah. I stay pretty much sold out. Don't do commissions anymore. And uh, generally, uh, Facebook, you'll see them appear. If you call my phone number, usually you leave your name and I'll, I'll get back to you. And usually you can acquire one of them at a pretty reasonable price. So, you know, I'm not I'm not in it to make money at this point. So, so check out John's stuff. Follow him on Facebook. And, uh, John, we'll, we'll have you back on in a couple of weeks because i got a bunch of other questions for you because you've got just a great history of pipes and, uh, and, a, and a life that, probably would normally fit into three or four people well thank you very much it's uh i remember the dean Emery saying he said uh we want you here because of the experiential background i didn't know what the word meant, so <laughs> <laughs> i had to go look it up so uh but you know it's just it's a love of life a love of pipes uh and i think i think most pipe smokers have that love of life and uh, the pipe gives them a, a moment there to reflect on it all. So uh, I really appreciate being on your show. And we'll have you back on in a couple of weeks, and we'll be back with the show in just a minute. Meet Josh. Everyone at smokingpipes.com holds customers as a high priority. But nobody interacts with them more personally than Josh. He's our professor of pipes, if you will. As a previous professor of history, educating the customer comes easily to him. He loves explaining the history of a particular pipe to a customer or coaching his customer service team. I love to help customers find that perfect piece for their collection. It's my job to make sure there's a smile on the other end of the line. And I'm more than happy to be the one to put it there. And although Josh's job can sometimes be quite demanding, he doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why? Because I don't just sell pipes. I smoke them. Call us at 1-888-366-0345. That's 1-888-366-0345. Or check us out online at SmokingPipes.com. We are quality. We are experts. We are SmokingPipes.com. Welcome back. Wasn't that fun? I hope you I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did because I'll I'll tell you he's uh, uh, John's just a, a treasure trove of stuff and do check out uh, Pipe Makers Forum and poke around those site uh, that site and you'll see all that stuff that uh, that John was talking about and uh, he also mentioned a uh, his uh, trombone teacher named Bill Harris 
Well, I found a little bit about Bill Harris, and apparently Bill Harris was quite, was quite a prolific and uh, somewhat avant-garde jazz trombonist, uh, known for his known for his unique style and uh, different different kind of take on things, and kind of transitioned from uh, early jazz into some more modern stuff. But anyway, I found a piece with. Uh, with Bill Harris and friends, and it's called Crazy Rhythm. Thank you. 
Harris and friends, uh, Bill Harris, trombone player, pipe smoker, and uh, trombone teacher. Check out all of his stuff. Just uh, do a Google search for Bill Harris. You'll see all the different people that he played with through the years and then uh, ended up retiring and uh, teaching in South Florida. All right, rant time coming up. Cowboy. Cowboy. First of all, let's get it straight. The name of the place is Walt Disney World, not Disney or anything else or Disney Florida. It's Walt Disney World. That's how it was dedicated. That's how we'll call it. Uh, But let's talk about price. Price of a pipe, price of a Walt Disney World vacation, price of anything. If it's too expensive or too high for you, it's not crazy. A couple of times during the week at Walt Disney World, I heard people complaining about the prices of things. Well, they can't be doing all that bad and overpricing stuff because the place was packed. It's the middle of February and the place was packed. If a pipe maker is pricing pipes at a certain price level that you disagree with, the pipe maker is not too expensive. The price is too much for what you're willing to pay. If the pipe maker is not selling pipes at that price, well, that's up to the pipe maker to figure that out. If a Walt Disney World vacation is too expensive or costs too much for you, well, then you don't value it at that same level. But apparently, thousands and thousands and thousands of other people do. So again, if a price is high and you don't see the value in it, It's not that they're crazy priced, it's that it's just you don't see the value in it and it's too high for you. If a pipe is too expensive or you don't understand paying that amount for a pipe, it's not that the pipe or even the tobacco is priced crazy, it's just that you don't see that value. Therefore, it is priced above what you are willing to pay for it. It, A Walt Disney World vacation can be a lot of money and it may not be worth that to you all right glad to be back 
Uh, hey, next week I'll be home and live in the studio and we'll update you on my new job and we'll get back to some pipe parts stuff and the mailbag and all that. So I want to thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for uh, bearing with me on this and I hope you really enjoyed John and uh, hope to learn a whole bunch of uh, new stuff this week and maybe uh, get some ideas on how to get more people to read uh, P&T Magazine. But while you're doing that... Uh, if you would, please leave us a rating or review on iTunes for the Pipes Magazine radio show. Leave us a rating or review for on Stitcher. We would appreciate that. And again, any comments or questions, post them on the Pipes Magazine radio show page. So once again, thanks to John for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy trails to the bum ba dee da 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 bum ba d